I want you to give me a few moments, and then we're going to have some more prayer. Uh, I, I, I want to leverage what Wayne has been sharing with us, what the Petricks have been sharing with us, as we continue in our series, God's Great Plans. And uh, I want to remind you also regarding Freedom Fellowship, that Freedom Fellowship is a thriving community, and our best years are in front of us. Can I get an amen? amen. Our best years are where? God, has, God is doing something next. So as great as it has been, wait till you see what God does next. Hallelujah. Uh, I, I spoke to you recently about God's plan for the church. And one of the things that I told you was that uh, God, God has raised up the church uniquely to storm the gates of hell. Do you understand that? We will depopulate the kingdom of darkness and populate the kingdom of heaven. Are you with me on this? So uh, I love that you give. I love that you're a part of missions. Uh, I want to challenge you this morning, even in giving, don't allow giving to become a cop-out for what else you do. I gave. I don't have to tell anybody. You hear what I'm saying? I... I've done enough. So today I want to talk to you about God's great plan to reach the world. And we're going to continue in Jeremiah 29, but look back to verse 10, and this is the word of the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. Uh, got anybody that any, anybody that grew up? Maybe you were a uh, a child in the uh, in the '90s or 2000s. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many remember a cartoon called Pinky and the Brain? Pinky and the. So what are you going to do today? What are we going to do? We're going to come up with plans to see. There's those cartoon kids. There they are to take over the world. And uh, so, so you know, I regularly get up and sing Pinky in the Brain and ask the Lord, what do you want us to do today? And he says, take over the world. Take over the world. Uh, how many know God already owns the world? You, under, you know that? However, we are his vessels. Have you ever been in a season in your life when you had no idea what God was doing? Anybody been there? Like, God, what are you doing right now? I, I, and... and not and in that season, not getting great answers from anyone, and you simply want to. You were in a situation where you just wanted to be somewhere else, doing something else. Anybody ever felt stuck? Stuck in a job, stuck in a house, stuck in a marriage, stuck in a life situation. Anybody ever felt stuck? Can I get amen? Uh, if I if it was marriage, don't look at your wife right now. Don't do that. All right, that wouldn't be healthy. Here's here's what I want you to know. First of all. God knows exactly where you are. And God is not God on accident. God is God on purpose. He's a purposeful God. He does, he does what he does on purpose. Let me show you a few things that God never says. God never says, oops. Never said that. You, you might say, well, look, I'm a mistake. No, God never said, oops. He, does, he, didn't, he never says, wow, I didn't see that coming. 
How many of you have ever said that before? Any of you have said that? But God never says, I didn't mean to say that. Can I just take that back? God never says, like some people read his word and you think God would like to take his word back. Like you read the scripture and you see something and it doesn't seem relevant to you at that particular moment because of what you want. God never, God never says, wow, I missed that. I wish I could rewrite some of those red letters. Uh, and God, God never says, I'm not interested in your problems. Whatever you're going through, God doesn't say, well, that doesn't matter to me. It doesn't concern me. God never says, I don't care. Because God is fully intentional. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. And even in the darkest times of your life, God still has a plan. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. Now, in Jeremiah 29, God is saying to Israel, he's saying, I have a purpose for you. But I have a purpose for you in Babylon. I have a purpose for you while you are in exile. He's saying, I can work with your failures. I love this preaching. I'm going to preach to myself this morning. He's saying, I'm not finished with you just because you have been sinful and idolatrous. You're still my children. You got that? Anybody got some children you'd like to pray for right now? If you can bring them, just drag them down. Y'all pass to get some oil right now. We need to pray for these kids. I want you to know God is not finished with you either. Hallelujah. All around this Jeremiah 29, 11, because I, I was walking through Hobby Lobby the other day, and they had like Jeremiah 29, 11, and I love Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you. You know, you know my plans are good uh, uh, to give you a hope and a future. I haven't forgotten you. I love that, but I like reading the rest of it. Read the rest of it. In, in Jeremiah 29, uh, verse 11, he, uh, he says, I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you hope and a future. And then look at verse 12. This is cool. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from the, your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. He says, you will call me. You will, come on, you will, you will find me. He says, you will, you will seek me with all your heart. Anybody been in both of those places? Anybody been there where it was like you just kind of taking God for granted? I mean, yes? Just, and then you went through a, a struggle. And uh, I've, heard, I've heard people say this, you know, Pastor, I have been praying every day. And I want to ask the question, so how are you praying before the struggle? And then it's, you know, I'm, I just can't hear from God. And then it's like, wow, I can hear from God now. And what happens? What's the shift? And, and what God is saying is, the reason you're in Babylon is because I want relationship with you. That's what he's saying. I want, I'm going to let you be in Babylon. It's not God just has a hope and a future, but God is intentional. So if I am somewhere, somebody praise God. Somebody praise God. God is going to do something with where I am right now. God's not saying, oh, how did they get in this? No, God says, where you are right now is going to bring us closer together than we have ever been before. 
Oh, you ought to praise God. Some of you are upset with God right now. Don't be upset with God. God knows what's best. He says, you will call me. You will find me. I will position you so that you seek me with all your heart. We're going to have a relationship. Not just you and I either. Not only are you and I going to have a relationship, but your children and your children's children. Because your exile and your difficulty will be the testimony of the next generation. So you hang on right now. Get through what you're going through. Because when your babies grow up, they'll be telling the story about how you were in Babylon and you trusted God and you built houses right there and you got married in the middle of all that mess and God raised you up and now your next generation is praising God is in great relationship with him. See, uh, uh, your difficult season, this season that you call captivity is not just about you. Let me all, rather than just your children's children, let me take you further. It's also about your captors. Yeah. It's not just about you. Your difficult season is not just about you, and it's not just about your children. It's also about your captors. Israel has a hatred for the world that they are living in in Babylon. They don't like it. They are enslaved. They are lost. All they want to do is get out. Psalm 137 really illustrates it. If you read it all, it's, it's, it's a pretty heavy psalm. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps. For there our captors asked for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of those songs of Zion. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while we're in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. So here's what they're saying. In this difficult time, I still got to sing. Anybody receive that? In this difficult time, I've still got to sing. Anybody been there? I don't feel like singing. That would be a really good time to sing. But I, I want you to look at the context. The Babylonians love it when the Israelites sing their songs of Zion. Can you hear that? Come on, sing some of those old songs. Anybody like those old songs? You know, somebody, somebody sing me a little Amazing Grace right now. I love it. I love it when you sing me some of them old songs. I, I, I got this a little bit. I was, I was watching the American Music Awards as much as I could tolerate it. And uh, they, they, were, they decided to do an Aretha Franklin tribute. An Aretha Franklin, anybody see it? The Aretha Franklin Gospel Tribute. Now, come on. I don't know if you know anything about Aretha. Anybody know anything about Aretha? But Aretha grew up in her daddy's church someplace in Chicago, Wayne. And, uh, and, and before she had any pop or, or soul songs, she was, she was a gospel singer. And that's, how, that's what her foundation was. So, uh, you know, just, just a little bit of it. You, you, can, you, you can hear some of them as they started singing. And uh, the crowd gets involved in it. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Gladys Knight sings, Donnie McClurkin sings, and Cece can sing. I'm telling you, that girl, Cece was singing. And then eventually, uh, Mary, Mary, how many remember Mary, Mary? Mary, Mary, they start singing. And the crowd is on their feet. I'm telling you, you would have thought it was revival day because they were on their feet and people are out there dancing and having a great time. And uh, I mean, here's what, here's what I was feeling. I was watching. I was enjoying. Look at, man, I love, 
I love the music. I, I love they were singing those old songs of Zion. Everybody's out of the crowd, clapping their hands, and part of me was getting irritated. Can I tell you why? Because uh, I realized that people love my gospel songs, but they're not always a fan of my gospel message. Am I preaching? They, they love my preaching. Come on, pastor, preach that. Love my gospel organ, but not a fan of the author and finisher of my faith. So part of me wants to just run home to Jerusalem, though. I get a little irritated. But, but like the Israelites, where we are right now, even in our culture, what, what really gets my attention is some people feel like, well, God just left us here. And, and, and for the Israelites, they gotta, they're going to have to stay for 70 more years. Somebody shout 70. Sounds like completion. Amen? Until I've completed things. God, listen, you may not like the way everybody is responding right now, but I'm telling you, God's in this for you. He's in it for your children. But God also loves the people of Babylon. Amen. No, hear me. God is doing something. You may hate Babylon. You may hate the culture. But God loves this nation. God loves the people in it. In fact, the Bible doesn't say that God just uh, uh, loves the world. Anybody think God loves? Anybody read that scripture? The Bible doesn't say God loves the world. The Bible says God so loved the world. Did you hear that? God so loved the world. He didn't come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. So he sent Jesus, and then he sent the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, into our lives. Why is the Holy Spirit in me? Because he loves me. Yeah, but also the Holy Spirit is in me because God so loves the world. Amen. Babylon is a theme of Scripture. Somebody shout Babylon. Babylon. It's a theme of scripture from Genesis through Revelation. If you go back to Genesis 11, we first hear of Babylon. Babylon is where we, we hear the Tower of Babel. Anybody heard the Tower of Babel before? The place where man said, you know, we're not going to obey God. We are not leaving this place. They build a tower, and that's where God confused their language. It was a place of rebellion. And so uh, the Lord scattered them in, in Genesis 11 and 8. And, and then in Jeremiah 29 and 4, we read about them as the nation God raised up. Uh, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem. But God is just, so he will crush Babylon. In fact, he crushes them severely. According to Isaiah 13, uh, the Bible says the beauty of the Chaldeans' pride will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It will never be inhabited, nor it be settled from generation to generation. So the last person that tried to raise up Babylon was a guy named Saddam Hussein. All right? So you might say, well, what happened to Saddam Hussein? You've got all kinds of stories. I want you to know Saddam Hussein was trying to rebuild Babylon, and uh, he didn't do it. And uh, so you see the theme all the way through the prophets. And then we arrive in Revelation, and there's another discussion of Babylon, but it's called Mystery Babylon. It's still a theme. And the, the Bible says, he, uh, John, John writes, he says, I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven hands, heads, and ten horns. 
The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of uh, abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead, a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abomination of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. So in the end, John sees, and here's what we see, a world system that has demonic religious connotations, which is controlled by the Antichrist, which persecutes and murders those who believe in Jesus, which ultimately, uh, in chapter 18, verse 1, will be struck down and, and land in eternal damnation. Uh, that's what you read in uh, chapter 18, where the Bible says this spirit, this, this, uh, this system is destroyed, and, the, and it's fallen, and she's become a home for demons. So you see, Babylon is a theme, and that spirit of Antichrist, that, do you see that? In all of that spirit of Antichrist, that toxic world system that wants enough of God, uh, that, that God uh, to, to be destroyed, that toxic system has always been around. And guess where we experience it now? Right here, the good U.S. of A. Anybody experience that? that toxic system that wants to dance with our music but not surrender themselves to the Lord Jesus. Come on, you see that? That, that system has been going on. It's like, you know, God use us. Come on, we'll, we'll build this awesome city, uh, God, but we're not going to bow down uh, to you. And, and we live in it. And it sounds so awkward to say, but, but listen, Jesus came to save us all. And I know you hate sin and I know you hate sinners and just want to go to heaven but I've got news for you when you read the scriptures you find that God has a great plan to reach the world and we are not on the planet by accident I know there's struggles in your home and in your life and in this world listen to your pastor don't quit don't give up don't give in God's not finished yet don't quit loving your neighbor don't be, stop being Christians there even even though the world is filled with hate and venom we are here on the planet on purpose God wants to reach the world you need to clap your hands and say amen so just just two things I'm going to say to you how do we how do we reach the world these are some simple truths one be in the world not of it be in the world you can be in Babylon you're not Babylonian come on be in the world, not of it. That's what Jesus prayed in that great prayer. The great Lord's Prayer is John 17, the whole chapter. Uh, not where he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be, but John 17, he says, he's praying for his disciples, and he says, They are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. Just because you are in the world doesn't mean the world has to be in you. Just because there is hatred and racism and greed and slander in the world, don't let it inside of your life. Remember this teaching from three weeks ago in Jeremiah 29 and 4, uh, where, where the Lord says, uh, uh, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, he says this, build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. Great things happened in those 70 years. 
Amazing things. In fact, let me show you some things that happened for Israel. Uh, uh, five things. One, Israel was cured of idolatry. Isn't that awesome? So in those 70 years, when Israel's leaving, it's like, we ain't taking none of our, those idols with us. They were done with idolatry. And the scribes, anybody heard of the scribes in the Word of God? The scribes showed up during those 70 years to preserve the Scriptures. Synagogues started while they were in Babylon. Because they were away from Jerusalem, uh, they, they developed places of worship. And part of the idea of the church, the church building, setting up this particular facility, has to do with the concept of establishing syn synagogues. The teaching of scriptures became vital. The Jewish people pursued the studied them. And, and, and in captivity, they, they began to teach their children. And later, Ezra, the scribe, taught the scriptures and, and gave light to all of its meaning. And then they had unification uh, to the Jewish people uh, while they were in Babylon. Uh, listen, we need to do life right while we're in Babylon. I want to tell you this. Diane and I were driving down the road this past week, and somebody flipped us off. I got their license number if you want to find them. Okay. <laughs> Giving us hand signals and... Uh, it cracked us up so much. It just made us laugh. We just laughed. I don't know. We, we laughed, I think, for like 30 minutes over that. It was just so wonderful. And really, we were behind a car that was going really slow, and there was another car behind us, and he went around us, and I guess he thought we were that car, and uh, he, just, he just thought he would salute us. And uh, <laughs> it was so funny. And we talked about it, and then we started talking about, what's up with this guy? How did he get so angry? How did he get so angry? You know, you might say, oh, Pastor, I did, maybe it was me, because I was, no. Uh, you know, I'm not better than anybody else. You know, I've been angry at crazy drivers. Anybody else been angry? Get over in the right lane, bud, you know. But uh, we are living in a massively angry culture. Our culture is mad. Uh, I was listening, and I apologize, I was actually listening to the news the other day, and one of the statements that they were saying was, uh, both parties are very energized. Energized. And I, that, evidently that's a common term to say that the party, you know, the Democrats and Republicans, are energized. You know what that means? It means they're mad. The Republicans are mad, the Democrats are mad, and the more we watch what's going on, come on, some of you have been mad. I, 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 stay follow, I keep following you. I know how mad some of you are. See, a party, a party is energized. To me, if I would say, man, that church is energized, I would say, what a cool party, great music, great food, everybody's getting along. No, no, that's not what it means. It means that people are mad and angry. You know, can I say something to Christians? And whether you're a Democrat, Republican, or somewhere in the middle or on the fringe or whatever, you got to get over your anger. The, the one thing we cannot do in Babylon is emulate it. 
We're building houses and homes in it with our eyes toward Jerusalem. We must get over our anger. I'm preaching to somebody. Some of you are so mad all the time. You get up mad. By the time you watch the news in the morning, you're mad on the way to work. You're mad at the people that you work with. You're mad when you leave. You get home and the kids talk to you and you get mad again. And somehow you think that's Jesus. We gotta get, somebody shout, get over it. I saw this. It was written on a friend of mine's um, page the other day. Uh, how, what do you do when someone offends you? You have two choices, two paths that he wrote out. It was Jerry Steele, as a matter of fact. I saw this on his page. Uh, if someone offends me, here's one path you can take. Tell people about it. And then the listeners begin to think less of my offender. That's why I tell people about how offended I got. You like that? I tell people about, so the listeners begin to think less of my offender, and then they will join me in speaking negatively about my offender. That's why I tell other people about it. So if somebody hurts me, the first thing I need to do is go some, somewhere and tell them, let me tell you what, let me tell you what Wayne Wozniak said about me. Not Wayne. You, 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 how many have done this before? Anybody? How many have been in that negative conversation where you're with people and it is somebody says something negative about someone and so you one-up them and tell them negative about somebody else? And then it just, okay, that's Babylon. That's the way you live. And that's how you perpetuate it. Listen, listen. Just find something that makes you angry and just keep telling people about it and it will help to prolong your captivity. Now, here's another way. Someone offends me, and I go directly to God in prayer. Just, go, just take it straight to God. God, this hurt me. I'm wounded right now. He listens to me and gives me his better perspective. Let me really tell you what's going on. They drove by you, and they gave you hand signals. Let me tell you really what's going on. You're living in an angry culture, and you don't know why that person is so broken. They're coming at you, and they're offending you right now, but there's other stuff that's going on in their life, and guess what? You're in Babylon, and there's some broken things going on. I, I want to tell you that, and what happens is I feel peace, and the need to vent to others goes away because I take my anger straight to the Lord. Now, I'm telling you, some of you need to write this down. You need to take pictures because some of you live in... And such anger and it's beginning to infect your home your marriage it's infecting your children why are my kids mad all the time because you're mad all the time the word of God is so clear in Matthew 22 Jesus said you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is equally love your neighbor as yourself the entire law and all the demands uh, of the prophets are based on these two scriptures so listen don't don't give in to it now did you hear me uh, earlier when we were ha had missionaries come up anybody how many, if you had $20,000 sitting aside that you could just drop into Wayne's account so that they could go ahead and get over to Peru, how many would say, yeah, I'd love to do that? Anybody? Have you ever uh, seen like, uh, somebody with the bucket, say like the Salvation Army? Uh, they're going to come out with the red buckets in just a month. You know? You're going to see them with their red buckets. And I try to make sure, because I love the Salvation so much, I love to make sure I always have something to put in the Salvation Army bucket. I love their cause. I love their purpose. It is so effective. Anyway, anyway, if you see at the Walmart, uh, you see somebody with the Salvation Army red bucket, and you see somebody else dressed like the devil with another bucket who says, with this bucket, I'm going to hurt people and wound people. Come on, you see that? Don't put money in that bucket. Put it in the red bucket instead. 
So every time you are offended and angry and you perpetuate that, it's like putting money in the devil's bucket. Come on. It's like, it's, it's like perpetuating Babylon. It's like perpetuating the culture of anger and deceit and destruction. Preach, Pastor Rick. Come on, preach. So Jeremiah 31 and 3 reads this way. I have loved you with an everlasting love. It kind of gets you going, doesn't it? Last week, or uh, last month or so, you were praying with us because we felt like we were so under attack, especially in the month of August. Our daughter, Felicia, was in a wheelchair because uh, she had hurt her back, and uh, she was wondering whether or not she would be able to continue her career in L.A. Uh, You know, she sings on a couple of television shows, one, Dancing with the Stars, she sings on that show regularly, and whether or not she would be able to stand or be able to bear the pain. She was in such pain. And uh, so we went to visit her and pray with her, and then you all prayed, and some of the leaders got together and laid hands on us and prayed because there were other things at the same time. Diana got sick and, and she had had some, uh, but, but uh, here, here we are at this point. We kind of culminated. Here's the thing. When you believe that God has forgotten you, I want you to know that God has a plan to do great things. So kind of, this all kind of culminated because uh, Malachi, you know Malachi's a little actor, but he got a call uh, just uh, two weeks ago, he got, they got a call on the phone saying, asking Malachi to sing on Dancing with the Stars. All right? So, uh, so maybe it didn't hit you the same way, but, but he's saying, I'll show you just a little bit of it. I, I try not to show it all to you, but, but I, you know, I'm a proud grandfather, so I'll do what I want to do. And uh, so that's Malachi standing in the back, dressed like the, the dancer. Malachi singing... Jesus. And, and I was just, I just paused for a minute. Now watch this, watch this. And, and I, I, I just grabbed this with my phone off the, off of the uh, television while we were watching it. And they and Malachi, those, he doesn't wear glasses, by the way. And there's our daughter, right there. Now I, I, I show you that. And you can go to the next slide if you want. But I show you that because that was culmination, is what that was. For me, you thought, oh, that's really nice. No, for me, a few weeks before, we were praying that God would just let Felicia stand up. And, and, and then, you know, Malachi had been on the show and that show had wrapped up and he didn't know what he was doing. Do you hear what I'm saying? All I'm saying is when you think you're not going to walk again, God says, not only will I raise you up, but I'll raise your children up too. No, listen, do you, do you understand? Anybody understand what I'm telling you? you we've, got, we've got to make choices because... God not only wants to redeem you, he wants to redeem so much more. God has greater plans than you have. When God gives up in the morning and says, I want to reach the world, he says, don't give up where you are right now. Keep loving, keep trusting, keep believing because I want to do something greater than you had in mind. So don't let the ways 
of this Babylonian world control you just because everyone else is broken. If we're going to reach the world, we need a fresh covenant with God. So here's a fresh covenant. Say this. Say it with me. I choose to love God. Say it out loud. I choose to love God. I choose to love God's people. I choose to love my family. I choose to love my enemies. I choose to love those who are broken. I choose to love people that don't know my God. I choose to love people that live godlessly. I choose to love everyone and let God work it out. Anybody with me on this? Anybody with me? All right, let me wrap this up. Second, tell everyone everywhere the good news of Jesus. Read that. Someone say it. Tell everyone. Who, who should you tell? I just did a search on the everywheres in Scripture, and the New Testament is just packed with everywhere. Mark 16, they went out and preached where? The Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. People say, man, I wish we could see signs. We'll go everywhere, all right? We want to see signs, and then we'll do something. No, God says, do something, and I will confirm it with signs. And uh, the Great Commission is in Matthew 28. Jesus said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey what? Everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So the disciples went everywhere, telling people everywhere, because that's what Jesus did. He went everywhere, preaching the good news. Who doesn't want good news? Here's some good news. You're loved. You can live forever. God has good plans for you, and he wants to help you. We, we can help you with that mess in your life. That, how many know that's good news? Good news. You see somebody broken, what do you say? I got, I got some news for you. Let me tell you, I love you. Jesus loves you. Anybody hear that? I love you. Jesus loves you. I know you're in a mess, but God's not finished yet. Anybody say that? Can you, can you, can you just say that? And so the disciples went everywhere. They, went, they told everybody everywhere. And who do you tell? Where do you go? You go to the most evil. Go to love the most evil. The most evil. Now, there's some people I don't want to be around. Like, you would never have wanted to be around, like, the Apostle Paul when he was Saul of Tarsus. Because he was the most evil. But when God saves people like that, they end up doing, like, the most good. Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and power, went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. What? If you see those people under the power of the devil, what should you do? Run. No. Jesus says, I was looking for you. And minister love to the most divided. In Acts 2.26, I love the scripture, but watch what he says. There came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. This is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. Now, I've often looked at that divided tongues thing. Do you know why divided tongues? Because their culture was so divided. You see that? So God says, I'm going to use you, and 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 I'm going to send you this divided culture. Now watch what happens next. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Anybody love that? 
I, I just want you to know that we are living in a divided culture, and this is what I learned early in my ministry, that God could use a country boy from southeastern Ohio to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ with people who he had absolutely no relevance with culturally. Anybody understand that? That's what I learned. People walk into Freedom Fellowship all the time and say, how does a church look like this? How can it be such a diverse community of people? And I tell you, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. So just because you say, I have nothing in common with them, God says, I will send my spirit and I will give you commonality through my spirit and you will reach the lost, you will reach the hurting, you will reach the most demonic, you will reach people who are the most divided. Would you stand with me? Everybody stand with me. Let's give praise to the Lord Jesus. Ah. I want us to pray this morning. Uh, Wayne, I want you to come back. Would you come back up on the platform? And, and uh, some of my other leaders, I saw Cliff and some of the other leaders, come on, come on down and stay on the platform. Marshall, come stand with me, would you? Just come and stand with me. And uh, yeah, Terry, come up. And just, I, want, I want you to come all the way to the platform, if you would. Just come all the way up on the platform. And... Come on, yeah, come on up. Yeah. And I want you now to come and stand with me. Would you come and stand with me? Go ahead. Go ahead, come and stand with me. Come close, come close too, because I think more people are going to come and stand behind you. So just come and stand with me. How you doing, man? Good to see you. Good to see you. I love you. You love me too. The first time I led somebody to Jesus, I was in Oregonia, Ohio. I was probably in the seventh grade. No, I was in the seventh grade. It's probably in the fifth grade. It's in the fifth grade. And I lived, my, my dad was pastoring this little country church and uh, there was a river that was like 100 yards in front of us and there was a creek that ran beside of us. I mean, snakes, squirrels, rabbits. I mean, it was, it was a great place to live as a kid. We moved out of there eventually to Chillicothe, Ohio, to Richmondale, Ohio, really. And I was so upset because we were leaving Argonia, but God had a purpose for moving me out of there because that's where I met that girl that I've been married to for the last 37 years. So... But I, I was, we were in Oregonia and, and we were just out playing. Me and a buddy were out playing. And we were doing what kids do. We were just walking down the creek. I know I sound like a real redneck right now, but I'm just telling you, everybody comes from somewhere, all right? We were walking down the creek and we sat at one of the holes looking for fish and we're throwing rocks, you know, picking up rocks, looking for snakes and things, you know, just crazy things. And we're sitting down there and I looked over at Sean. And I said, Sean. I wasn't even planning on doing it. Just, Sean, hey, we've been walking around here. Can I ask you, what do you think about Jesus? <laughs> do you believe in Jesus? I mean, he had so much brokenness and stuff in his life. But that day, sitting beside the creek bank, Sean asked Jesus Christ to come into his life. That day. Now I'm addicted. <laughs> Someone, Did you baptize him there in the creek? I should have, yeah. <laughs> 
Because I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. And God has called us to reach the world. And how many would like to just get on a plane and head back to Peru and help Wayne? Anybody want to do that? I mean, just, I'm sure we'll go back. I've been to Peru with Wayne before. and I've been to Columbia with Wayne. But I want you to know that God has called you to reach the world. Not just me. You don't have to have a degree. You don't, listen, you don't have to have all kinds of education. You just receive the Holy Spirit. And I just don't think sometimes we realize that God called you to reach the person that's waiting on you at the restaurant. That God called you to reach your neighbors. And you're saying, well, what do I do? You know, I don't want to scare everybody away. I just, uh, there's a few ways you tell them. Tell them with your life. Tell them with your life. Stop being that angry person. Stop being the angry person. Stop being the person full of unforgiveness. Why would they want to talk to you anyway? Because if they talk to you, you'll just blab it all over the office anyway. Tell them with your life. Tell them with your love. Just pray this. Say, God, give me love. Say, God, give me love. So when you leave this place, everywhere you go, the love of God will just come out of your life into the life of others. You're looking for people that are in need. Listen, tell them with your words. You say, well, my life, don't cop out. Well, my life will tell them about Jesus. Sooner or later, you're going to have to open your mouth and tell people the gospel of Jesus. And you might say, well, that's really confusing. Watch this, watch this. Watch this. Hey, I heard you were struggling. Can I pray about that for you? Yes. I can. Yes. You would be amazed the number of people that don't know anything about Jesus who want you to pray for them. Or just say something like this. Look, I know that I heard you saying about how difficult it is or your countenance has been down. I just want you to know that I don't know how much what you believe about Jesus, but I've been there before and Jesus has really helped me with that stuff. Because their Babylon might cause them to actually seek the Lord with all of their heart. If you would just tell them about Jesus. And tell them with his help. Everybody say this. Say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Because tongues of fire would like to rest upon everyone in this room. In such a way that when you leave this place, you will not be doing ministry. You'll not be telling things on your own. You'll be doing it. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Just say it again. Say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. You say, well, what's going to happen next? Why are you so worried about what happens next? Nobody had a plan of exactly what was going to happen on the day of Pentecost. But if you would tell people with your life and tell them with your love and tell them with your words and tell them with his help, you could actually see people set free. So that's what I've come. Diana, you got a microphone over there? I know my time is shot. People are coming in for a second service. When you want to hold that? You ready? Everybody lift your hands. Lift your hands. And all leaders, come close and stand all around here with us. Come on either side. What we're going to do is we're going to ask the Lord Jesus to come upon you until we would leave this place today reaching our world. How many want this? Does anybody want it? Just say amen if you want it. I want Wayne because Wayne is that guy that has been reaching the world for a long, long time. And I know he's not ashamed of the gospel. I've been with him all over. I've been with him in schools. I've been with him on the streets. I've I've seen him do this. Wayne, I just want you to pray for Freedom Fellowship and for these people. Would you do that? Just speak a prayer that the Holy Spirit would rest upon us 
and we would reach our world. Would you do that? Lord, together, ask you to fill us with the call of your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your words. With a, with a heart and compassion for ministry. To serve the least of our brethren. Burn within our hearts the burden to reach a broken world for you. And I thank you for each person here. Give us the courage. As you gave your apostles on the day of Pentecost. And let us go and turn our world upside down for Thank Jesus. you, Jesus. And we thank you for this Holy Father. In Jesus' name. I want, we're just going to reach our hands out. Would you lift your hands and just stay in a posture of reception right now? Just lift your hands. We're just going to stand here as leaders. I just want to pray for you. Are you ready, church? Leaders, just take a step with me. Would you take a step with me? Father, we lay our hands upon this body and we say in the name of Jesus, that you have placed us wherever we are for your cause. In our homes, in our neighborhoods, and in our community. When we leave this place, we accept your calling. We will not be silent. We will not be still. We will not be loveless. We will be filled with your love, with your compassion, and with your spirit. And somewhere at a creek bank, somewhere at a rec center, somewhere at a library, somewhere in an office, somewhere at a school, somewhere in a football field, somewhere, somewhere in a restaurant, somewhere you will use your love in my life to impact someone else. I surrender. Tell the Lord that I surrender. I surrender. I will stop hating. I will stop walking in anger. I will stop walking in unforgiveness. I will walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you will use me, Lord Jesus. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would rest upon us. Show us. Show us the broken people around us. Show us the angry ones, Lord. Show us even those that we have decided that we have to have boundaries with because of our own mind. I pray, Lord, that you would raise us up so we would no longer be afraid. And we would impact the world. Yes. With the gospel of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I pray in your name. Now, Father, in this room, there are those that need to give their lives to you. And so we confess, Jesus, you are our Lord. You are the Savior of our life. We confess and we ask, Holy Spirit, because of the blood of Jesus, come, cleanse us, justify us, yes. make us new. Yes, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you. We surrender in your Thank name. You, Jesus. Amen. How many received this? Anybody receive this calling? Do you receive this? Now listen, yeah, praise God. Listen, listen. I'm going to dismiss you. But some of you may need prayer for your family, for your home, whatever it might be. And my prayer workers will stay right up here, all right? And so if you need prayer, just walk over to them. They will take some time and pray with you. I love you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. You are dismissed when you choose. If you're new, please meet me in the hospitality room. God bless you all.